Coming up next on The Voice of Alabama Politics, what's happening in Mississippi? Also, the V-Team takes a look at rising COVID hospitalizations. And there's a plan to open Alabama schools safely. Now, was that smart? Okay. Was it shrewd? Was it good tactics or was it stupid? Don't call me stupid. Oh, right. To call you stupid would be an insult to stupid people. That's not a plan. That's a recipe for disaster. Stupid. All this and much, much more coming up next on The V. to the voice of Alabama politics, where we tackle the tough issues so you have the hard facts. I'm your host, Bill Britt, and as always, I'm joined by Susan Britt. Hi. Hi. Happy Fourth of July weekend. Happy Fourth of July. You know, it's interesting. Uh, We've had about a week to digest the plan that came out of the uh, uh, State Board of Education. Mm -hmm. Uh, State Superintendent uh, Eric Mackey released a version of a plan which really is no plan. It's more like a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. What we did find is a video online that we believe shows the method that they use to determine this deadly plan that they have. Let's take a look. Let's take a look at it. Welcome to the State Department's news conference on the opening of school year next year. We'd like to answer all your questions about what's going to happen in the fall for schools. So the first question is, will staff and students have to wear masks to get into the school buildings? The answer is, uh, most likely so. Um, the second question is, will there be any funding to make sure that we're keeping our staff and students um, safe? And the answer is, um, the outcome does not look good. Um, And the third question we'd like to answer is, um, are we going to take the temperatures of the students before they walk in the building to make sure that they don't have the coronas? Uh, And the answer is, um, concentrate and ask me later. Um, I hope this clears things up for the school year next year. I think that's exactly what they did. Crystal ball. There you go. Eight ball, Mm -hmm. whatever. This thing is dangerous. It's not thought through. No, it's not. It's hazardous to health. I mean, they there is no plan to test, quarantine Mm-mm. children coming to school. There is no plan to address older teachers or workers in no. the school. No. There is no plan really for statewide. They're leaving it up to the local districts right. to make a plan, but then there's no date certain for them to have a plan. And we're opening school in a month. Right. The 75-page plan is basically, you know, a bunch of jargon, but it's more or less wipe down the classroom once a day. Yeah. Common services twice a day like light switches. Right. You've got, if you've got uh, uh, teenagers in high school switching classes right. seven times a day, right. how is that actually going to stop it? I mean, one of two of the craziest things, what, the plan for children on buses 
to keep them from spreading COVID-19 is to face forward. Exactly. To face forward. Exactly. They can't turn around in their seat. That's right. Get You get a fourth grader to stay still in their seat. Right. There's no yeah, plan. That's not uh, right. There's, a pl there's plans that say put plexiglass so mm -hmm. in there. But anyway, we don't want to do that. But the other thing that was crazy is the plan for the parents is to take your kids' temperature at home. We can't even get kids breakfast at home in a lot of places, mm -hmm. but they're going to take their temperature. Yep. Susan looks irresponsible. It is me. irresponsible. And I'll tell you what, there is a plan that is out there that, and I, I, we've been through it. It's a really good, what we think is a really good plan. But then the governor's looking into it. She's very interested in it. But Mackie is absolutely, totally ignoring it. This would include uh, 500,000 uh, 500, COVID-19 test kits. There's 500,000 influenza A and B test kits all for free. Uh, and a plan to get the children isolated, have, you know, all the staff and, and equipped with devices to check their temperatures and right. stuff and quarantine them. It would cost nothing to the state. Right. And Mackie is totally ignoring it. All this would come under the CARES Act. This is because Mackie is a bureaucrat. Mm -hmm. We should have listened to Governor Ivey when she said that we should appoint the superintendent and the board of education, mm -hmm. because what we have is a disaster here. I mean, these children, some of them will get sick, mm -hmm. some of them will spread it to other children. Those uh, children will take it home to their parents and grandparents, and people will die. Don't forget the staff. <coughs> you know, you've got uh, custodians, you've got teachers, you've got mission <coughs> workers, bus drivers. You know, uh, we're talking about these kids spreading it to those folks yeah, too. Right. But under this this plan that I was talking about, that covers everybody. Yeah, it does. And one of the things that they were arguing about, I mean, Governor Ivy wants a real plan. Mm -hmm. She does not want this haphazard plan. But how tied are her hands? We don't know. One of the big things, we only got about 30 seconds on this subject, is he kept referring to school nurses. Mm -hmm. 300 schools in Alabama do not have a nurse. Right. Now there's some regional nurses, but they can't do anything really right. to help protect the, these kids and to check them for this virus. This is not a roadmap. No. This is a road to nowhere. But this plan that I'm talking about also covers those 300 nurses yeah. to make sure every yeah. school has a nurse. Which is constitutionally required, actually. Yeah, well, they get around it. Yeah, they do. But, you know, we're switch subjects here real quick. You know, we always say in Alabama for years, thank God for Mississippi. Because mm -hmm. uh, Mississippi was always dead last. They were always so, 50. We were 49. Yeah, right. right. So it was thank God for Mississippi. But Mississippi did something this week that I don't think you could get done in Alabama. The Republican legislature and the Republican governor of Mississippi voted to take the Confederate battle flag off of the Mississippi state flag. Right. Susan, big deal in the South. Big deal in the South. Uh, it's been there for a long time, and, you know, people just wanted it done. And I think they said that to the vote of the people, and the people actually... No, they, they did before, and they it, lost, before it by, lost. lost by okay. a two-to-one margin, but that was several years ago. But they went ahead and took it off, which kudos to them. Yeah. I mean, our, our state legislature just a couple of years ago, uh, you know, voted to keep the monuments in place. Yeah, yeah. So that'll never happen here. Yeah. Not well, in my lifetime. Well, I, you know, times are changing. I mean, people are beginning to realize that these emblems and these symbols mm -hmm. are offensive. You know, if, if you can put them in all their historical context you want to, but they're offensive to folks. We are at a time where we need to look at Black Lives Matter as a movement mm -hmm. that says, look, 
People are treated differently because the color of their skin. And we have institutional racism and we have institutional injustice mm -hmm. and it has to be addressed. I want to say thanks for uh, them moving forward. The other thing, uh, Red Oklahoma this week passed Obamacare. <laughs> wow. I mean, How thoughtful. you know, they've expanded Medicaid under the Affordable Care Act mm -hmm. in Oklahoma so that people have health coverage. I would love to see Alabama take advantage of that. It would bring billions of dollars into the state. It would, it would cover our poor citizens, our, our people that don't have health care. But we're going to have to leave it right there. Yeah. You're watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. We'll be right back with more news and opinion. What's up, Alabama? It's Bo Jackson. I really need to say it. guys do a little fishing of course none of us will be wearing our seat belts I'll lose control of the truck wrap it around a tree and kill us all okay drive safe Alabama a message from your Alabama Department of Transportation I'm John Merrill as your Secretary of State, my goal is to ensure that each and every eligible U.S. citizen that's a resident of Alabama is registered to vote and has a photo ID. If you're concerned about going to the polls on July the 14th, we want to encourage you to download an absentee ballot application at alabamavotes.gov or contact your local circuit clerk. Make sure you enclose a copy of your photo ID when you submit your application. We may not see you in person, but through absentee, we'll see you at the polls. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Susan, this week, Governor Kay Ivey gave her annual 4th of July address, video address, celebrating our wonderful country and its heritage. Uh, she also took the remarkable step of during that nine minute video, speaking about the tragedy of George Floyd, mm -hmm. talking about the racial divide that has plagued our state and nation, but also talked about how we need to come together at this time and heal these divides, to not ignore them. I mean, talking about race in Alabama is tough, like it is anywhere, but she's encouraging folks, let's do this, and as a Southern governor, she is wanting to lead. Let's take a look at one of the clips. Let's do it. Conversations about race 
are often set against the backdrop of our state's long and at times ugly history on the subject. No one can say that America's history hasn't had its own share of darkness, pain, and suffering. But with challenge always comes opportunity. For instance, Montgomery is both the birthplace of the Civil Rights Movement as well as the cradle of the Confederacy. What a contrast for our capital city. The fact is our entire state has in many ways played a central role in the ever-evolving story of America and how our wonderful country has itself changed and progressed through the years. You know, you just have to be proud of Governor Kayavi. You know, she is taking a stand. Uh, it's not going to be enough for people on the left. It's going to be too much for people on the right. Oh, always. But again, we have to start talking about it and we have to do things. We have to not just talk, not just, and, and we can't just remove symbols. We have to talk about health care inequities in income. Mm -hmm. We have to talk about how we address our brothers and sisters of <coughs> different colors and, and how do we come together and lead in Alabama. That's a tough question. Yeah. That's, that's going to be really hard to solve, but at least she's working on it. Yeah. Well, one of the things we, we she reminds us of, and we are reminded all the time, the Confederate capital is 100 yards from the Alabama capital. Mm -hmm. 100 yards the other way down Dexter Avenue is where Martin Luther King, the, the, uh, the, the Baptist church where he started and cemented the civil rights movement. In fact, it's right over her shoulder during that clip. Yeah, so we can do this. We have a complicated history, but we can do this. Let, let's take a look at another clip. Okay. When anyone feels forgotten and marginalized, compassion compels us to embrace, assist, and share in their suffering. We must not let race divide us. We must grow and advance together. Being informed by our past, let us now carefully examine our future and work towards positive change. Together, we can envision an Alabama where all her people truly live up to the greatness within our grasp. We cannot change the past or erase our history, but we can build a future that values the worth of each and every citizen. You know, it, it's gonna come down, like we said, more than pulling down monuments and renaming buildings. I mean, uh, right now the legislature has, you know, a law that, and which Governor K. Ivey signed, mm -hmm. uh, a law that says you cannot remove these monuments. Now, Birmingham's done it, mm -hmm. Mobile's done it, Right. They keep talking about it in Huntsville, but it seems like all they do in Huntsville is talk and shoot tear gas at people. Right. And I thought Tommy Battle, I think Tommy Battle is better than that. I don't know what's going on up there. But uh, we've got to have solutions. One of the things that Governor Ivey did in January is bring together 65 of the state's mm -hmm. prominent African-American leaders to talk about how we move forward and to get concrete plans on how we move forward. because. We can address the monuments, we can address the inequities, but we have to have action, right? Mm -hmm. Actionable items, they're gonna have to come together and actually focus on the steps moving forward. Yep. Now, understand, I understand you can't have everything all at once. Right. That, that's never gonna happen. Right. But they've got to put a plan in place to start right. trying to address some of these issues. She showed a willingness in that video 
and in, in her speech to do that, right. you know, and uh, you know, she's the first really woman who was elected to uh, the governor's office yes, in, her she was right. in her own right. That took two hundred years. It did take two hundred years. <laughs> so she knows about waiting. She does. You know, one of the things we've we've learned uh, just from doing the show is when we bring up even a suggestion that a monument might be moved mm -hmm. to a, a historical location or that you might rename a building, as we talked about renaming the building in Auburn, mm -hmm. that's after George Wallace, we get hate mail. Mm -hmm. And some of it's very serious hate mail. I mean, there are people that are ready to, you know, enact violence uh, mm -hmm. over these things. And, and, and that's, that's, we don't get afraid of that because no. we've had we've death threats for years. But how do you get a panel together who is going to maybe you know, you, you bring historians, scholars, you know, ministers, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all types of folks together and say, okay, what can we rename? What can we do about this? What can we do about that? It's a gesture, but it's a good gesture at a time when we're trying to heal ancient wounds. But also, are these people going to be in fear of their lives? Yeah. I mean, we get these threats and we're just talking about it. We're yeah. not actually putting in plans. Right to move forward, right. you know, it, it's going to take some brave folks. You know, and it's it's one of those things uh, we continue to talk about that it is so heated, the, the conversation is so heated, and we're going to have, it's going to have to take some time. We know that the Ivy administration is wanting to move forward on some mm -hmm. of these things, but she can only do so much by executive order. Right. You know, the Confederate patch on the trooper's uniform, I think she could, through an executive order, get rid of that. Uh, the coat of arms of the state, which is only about 100 years old, it has a Confederate right. battle flag on it. I mean, a cool idea would, let, let's have some school kids enter a competition to redo the patch and redo the... Uh, I think that's a great idea. The coat of arms. That would be kind of cool. It would be cool. Uh, you know, she, can't, she can't executive order everything. For instance, she can't executive order a monument come down yeah. or a building get the name get changed uh, be, because those are protected right. under you know the, the law that they just passed a couple of years yeah. ago yeah well we're gonna leave it right there you're watching the v the voice of alabama politics the port of mobile is a crucial commerce center for the entire state of alabama activities with our shippers generated over $490 million in tax revenue for the state. We've generated 135,000 jobs by having a competitive seaport within cost-effective reach. Thanks to the state's leadership, Alabama's only seaport is being modernized to ensure that we are continually competing on a global scale. For more information, contact the Alabama State Port Authority at ASDD.com. I'm John Merrill. As your Secretary of State, my goal is to ensure that each and every eligible U.S. citizen that's a resident of Alabama is registered to vote and has a photo ID. If you're concerned about going to the polls on July the 14th, we want to encourage you to download an absentee ballot application at alabamavotes.gov or contact your local circuit clerk. Make sure you enclose a copy of your photo ID when you submit your application. We may not see you in person, but through absentee, we'll see you at the polls. Hey man, what are you doing today? Um, pleasant game. 
Thought I'd go out for a drive later, maybe. Text some friends while I'm doing it. Scroll through social media. Kill a family four and a half on collision. Cool, man. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Susan, uh, this week we saw a record number mm -hmm. of hospitalizations in Alabama from infection with COVID-19. The disease is hotter now than it was before. There are more people getting it. There are more people in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And there are more people, well, we haven't seen more people dying yet, but that's, that's to come. Yeah. But these numbers are should frighten anyone. Uh, the numbers are skyrocketing. I mean, they're really, we're up 20% in just hospitalization since last week. Um, we've reached another record, uh, around 1,129 cases uh, this week on June the 25th. And, you know, it just seems to keep rising and rising and rising. And while you've got Montgomery hospitalizations down a little bit, uh, the Jefferson County ones are through the roof right, right now. And, and it's getting higher. It, it's hot spots. They're always chasing fires. There are little mm -hmm. fires everywhere. I mean, but the seven-day average reached, uh, what, 981. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the record high remains 978. But the 14-day average around 843 as of Thursday uh, for the first time. Uh, they're, they're, they're just, they're not going in the right direction. No. And part of this is due to the fact that the state opened early mm -hmm. and that people are not obeying the, not, the health order stupid. that's in place. I mean, we have seen bars in Montgomery wide open, restaurants wide open. You no saw, social distancing. No social di You saw beach bars. I mean, in Florida, they've had to close beaches. Mm -hmm. They've had to close bars because people... They, 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 they basically never shut down much. They yeah. opened back early, and people acted irresponsibly. Right, and, and as a result, we see these numbers skyrocket. Yeah, I mean, this past week, Governor Kay Ivey extended the stay-at-home order, or stay safer at home, which requires that business operate at 50%, mm -hmm. that restaurants have table distancing six feet apart. But they're not doing And wearing it. masks and things like that. They're not doing they're it. They're not doing it. And she admitted such, uh, that they were just not following the rules that we had in place. Now, uh, there are some people who, who, who wanted her to go further and mandate masks for everyone who's outdoors. I mean, and she said, well, if I can't get them to do even this, how am I going to get them to wear a mask? Right, right. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, we've heard the argument that this helps business owners to uh, say, well, you can't come in my business because you're not wearing a mask. But the business owners are not even doing the 50%. No, they're not. <laughs> you know? so, so, I mean, for Pete's sake, there are uh, uh, millennials out there right now that are having COVID parties. Right. COVID parties where the goal here is you know somebody that has COVID. You all get together, you bring them into the mix, everybody places a bet on who's gonna get COVID, and the one that gets COVID gets the pie. I mean, seriously? That's right. Well, and we see more young people getting the disease, more yeah. young people dying from the disease, 
And this, the other thing we go back, the mask is, is really to protect your neighbor. Mm -hmm. You know, we said last week, we are a state that professes uh, a, a profound faith, and yet loving our neighbor as ourselves is something we seem to not be able to do, and that we won't wear a mask because it's unmanly. Or exactly. It's, and it's really become a partisan thing. I know there, there are Republicans and, and Democrats who don't wear masks. I get that. But again, if you look at it, it's more of a partisan kind of thing. It, it is. shouldn't be. It but, is. But I mean, I don't want to sweep everybody with the same you know, broom, but that's kind of where we are. Uh, but the other thing that interests me, you know, like when they were they were trying to, they passed a mask ordinance in Mo Mobile. And, mm -hmm. and There's several cities that have yeah, one right now. Right. But they were yelling about it being unconstitutional. Now, there is nothing unconstitutional about requiring the public to wear a mask. No more than it's unconstitutional to require them to wear a seat belt. Mm -hmm. What you have to have in place is a law, Susan. Mm -hmm. Now, not an ordinance, a law. So let's, let's get real clear on what the Alabama state law is. Okay, under Alabama Code 22-2-14, a failure or refusal to obey or comply with any rule or regulation adopted and promulgated by the State Board of Health is a misdemeanor crime. Mm -hmm. If, when those municipalities enact mask orders, they are using it under code 22-2-14. Yeah. That's the law. It is not unconstitutional unless They're you They're not wanna, taking away your rights. No, if you wanna try to take this to the Supreme Court, have at it, mm -hmm. that's the law. It's been on the book for years. It's to keep idiots from killing people. Right. You know. Which is what they're doing. Right. Okay. I mean, but again, it's Alabama and we have to have, we have, we have 10,000 laws to try to enforce the, the uh, uh, 10 commandments. We can't get that done either. All right. So what are you doing? <laughs> uh, primary elections are near. Uh, we got about a minute and a half, uh, about less than, less than 10 days. Yeah. We're going to have it out and uh, lots of races, but the one that everybody's watching nationally is the runoff between former President Trump's former Attorney General Jeff Sessions mm -hmm. and Tommy Tuberville, Coach Tuberville, and one of them will face Doug Jones in the yeah. general election. Exactly. Now, I can't find where uh, Jeff Sessions ever passed a law that really benefited Alabama. No, and the only thing he's talking about right now is reforming uh, immigration, uh, taking on China, yeah. and things that have absolutely nothing to do right. with Alabama. And Tommy Tuberville has won a few football, football games. games, but has no idea what policy is all about. No. If Doug Jones did not have an R by his name, mm -hmm. he would win in a landslide. He has gotten legislation passed, bipartisan legislation. He has worked to bring money to Alabama he along has. with Richard Shelby. He has. He's working every day to see that the people of Alabama have... <clears throat> funding for the COVID-19, yep. jobs, and all kinds of things. But Susan, because he is a Democrat, somehow he's evil. I know. Where did that come from? <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, it, the man's getting the job done that hasn't right. been done in, in years except right. for by Richard right. Shelby. Richard Shelby, Jeff Session never did a thing for Alabama except back up uh, 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 Richard Shelby. Yeah. But anyway, we're going to have to do better, folks. You've been watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. You watch us because we 
watch them. <laughs>